Welcome to the Come Follow Me podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals and forums specially curated to accompany your weekly Come Follow Me studies. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. Thank you very much, President Worthen, and thank you so much, uh, the men's chorus. It was just magnificent to hear you. Thank you for setting the tone so beautiful. My dear brothers and sisters, young friends here at Brigham Young University, how happy my wife Kathy and I are to be here with you today. I feel your beautiful spirits. Always remember who you are. Some of the very noble spirits of our pre-mortal time together are here today. I'm honored to be with you. The entire Church is speaking about General Conference. We participated in a solemn assembly sustaining President Russell M. Nelson as the 17th President of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Two new apostles were called to the Quorum of the Twelve. Priesthood quorums at the ward level were combined. Home teaching and visiting teaching were retired for what is called ministering. And in the final session, seven temples were announced, including in such exotic places as Russia, India, and Leighton, Utah. (laughs) I will never forget the sustaining of President Russell M. Nelson. I anticipated that it would be a spiritual experience, but the rush of power and peace that permeated the conference center was very palpable to me. I pray that it was to you who were not in the conference center as well. The closing session, with the announcement of the temples and the singing of Let Us All Press On, moved my soul. Do you remember the words? We will not retreat, though our numbers may be few, when compared with the opposite hosts in view, but an unseen power will aid me and you in the glorious cause of truth. There have been some humorous memes following the conference. (laughs) One I liked had three men from their 70s or 80s dressed in gym clothes, you've seen it, revealing revealing their sunken chests and protruding midsections. The tagline read, Elders Corn Basketball this coming Wednesday. Another had a close-up of the ferocious green face of the Incredible Hulk, gritting his teeth with the tagline, Young President Nelson looking at those liquor bottles. (laughs) And finally, I like the one emphasizing the powerful announcements in the Sunday afternoon session. The tagline read, You snooze, you lose. I have entitled my talk, A Holier Approach to Ministering. It comes from the General Conference words of President Russell M. Nelson. He said, We have made the decision to retire home teaching and visiting teaching as we have known them. Instead, we will implement a newer, holier approach to caring for and ministering to others. We will refer to these efforts simply as ministering. 
Being a student at Brigham Young University means you have chosen to be different from the world. The book entitled The Narcissism Epidemic begins with exaggerated examples of our American culture. And I now quote, on a reality TV show, a girl planning her 16th birthday party wants a major road blocked so that a marching band can precede her grand entrance on a red carpet. Second, a book called My Beautiful Mommy explains plastic surgery to young children whose mothers are going under the knife for the trendy mommy makeover. Third, it is now possible to hire fake paparazzi to follow you around snapping your photograph when you go out at night. You can even take home a faux celebrity magazine cover featuring the pictures. <laughs> Next, a popular song declares with no apparent sarcasm, I believe that the world should revolve around me. And finally, babies wear bibs embroidered with supermodel and suck on bling pacifiers while their parents read modernized nursery rhymes from This Little Piggy Went to Prada. As disciples of Christ, we strongly reject the notion that our lives are all about ourselves. Rather, we follow the Savior. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. We treasure his words, love one another as I have loved you. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Succor the weak, lift up the hands that hang down, and strengthen the feeble knees. <clears throat> here is an example of the kind of Christ-like ministering that happens here on BYU campus. One of you recently wrote, I was going through a really rough time. One day I was really struggling and on the verge of tears. I pleaded and prayed silently for strength to continue. In that exact moment, my roommate sent me a text expressing her love for me. She shared a scripture and bore a testimony. It brought me so much strength and comfort and hope in that moment of despair. Let me share a few thoughts that hopefully will strengthen the already outstanding way you now minister to one another. My first point is this. Remember the first commandment before you exercise the second. One came to the Savior and asked him, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Your ability to bring a holier approach to loving your neighbor, to caring and ministering to others, will rest upon how strongly you keep the first commandment. 
There is a unique and supernal gift of ministering that can come from someone who loves God with all his or her heart, who is settled, grounded, steadfast, and immovable in his or her faith in Jesus Christ and in the restored gospel and keeps the commandments with exactness. Let me quickly give you some context that you already know. Across the world, your generation is slipping in its faith and it's and it's specifically in its belief uh, in a specific religion. When I graduated from BYU in 1975, young adults' affiliation with religion was near 90 percent. It is now at 66 percent. A full third of young adults do not affiliate with any organized religion. In 2001, the religious scholar Robert Fuller wrote a book called spiritual but not religious. This may have been true 20 years ago, but it is less true today. Young adults in the United States today pray with less frequency, believe less in God, less in the Bible, and less in commandments. On this wonderful campus, it is different. Faith flourishes, and we here this morning are believers. And, but it is naive to believe that the trends of the world are not able to influence the very elect. Caring for others physically and emotionally requires an unselfish and sensitive heart. It is an important part of the gospel. This caring is done in and out of the church by good people, believers, and non-believers. There are many wonderful, kind people all over the world, and we can learn from them. However, unique to a converted member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is another kind of ministering. At BYU, you have the opportunities as disciples of the Savior to minister in a way that helps keep a friend's faith from faltering that reminds a roommate in a kind way that reading the Book of Mormon every day really does bring miracles, and that the standards of the Church are not just a set of rules, but keep us closer to God and bring us happiness. A person with a good heart can help someone fix a tire, take a roommate to the doctor, have lunch with someone who is sad, or smile and say hello to brighten the day. But a follower of the First Commandment will naturally add to these important acts of service, encouraging the person doing well in keeping the commandments, and sharing wise counsel to strengthen the faith of someone who is slipping or who needs help in moving back in, onto the path he once traveled. At BYU, you are surrounded by believers who are in various stages of belief and testimony. I challenge you to strengthen your efforts to spiritually minister to one another. To minister spiritually can begin with baking cookies or playing a basketball game, but eventually this holier way of ministering requires opening your heart and your faith, taking courage in encouraging the positive growth you are seeing in a friend 
or in expressing concerns about things you see and feel that are not consistent with discipleship. Let us not be self-righteous, but let us be spiritually courageous in ministering in a holier way, specifically strengthening the faith of others. To stir your thinking, consider these possible situations. You notice that a roommate spends an inordinate amount of time playing games on an iPhone, but rarely engages in conversations relating to gospel topics. You have a sense that a friend may have a problem with pornography. You are in a conversation with friends and notice that the language being used is edgy and inappropriate. You smell alcohol or marijuana in a friend's car. You see prescription drugs that you know are not being used properly. Your friends are spending enormous time taking and posting pictures of themselves that move to the edge of immodesty. You notice that someone who once seemed to love to talk about the Book of Mormon now never mentions it. You notice that a friend who once seemed to love to go to the temple now is not going. You notice a friend who once spoke with faith about the prophet's counsel now speaks critically. You have a returned missionary roommate who has become very casual in wearing clothing that reflects temple covenants. You notice a friend who finds reasons to go places on Sunday other than your ward. You have a sense that a friend has started to be dishonest in small things. You have a classmate that began the semester very engaged in your religion class, but now seems disinterested and disengaged. You know someone who had a light in his or her eyes returning from a mission, but now that light seems to have faded. You have a friend who jokes about sacred things. You have a friend who came to BYU with the expectation of finding an eternal companion and hasn't. The discouragement with dating has moved to God doesn't love me. You see a friend's faith being affected by compromised worthiness and his need to repent. Can you envision these situations or others like them? Have specific names come into your mind? The Apostle Paul said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The greatest need here at Brigham Young University, as anywhere else in the world, is more faith in our Heavenly Father and in His Son, Jesus Christ, and a greater willingness to follow His commandments. Following the pattern of the Savior, most of our ministering will be from one person to another. To the Samaritan woman at the well, the Savior said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. The woman replied, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Then she added, I know that the Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. 
When he has come, he will tell us all things. Then Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Even in declaring his own divinity, Jesus ministered to the one. Here is an example from a BYU student. I quote, I got to know Tyler after he moved into the apartment, into the apartment down the hall from mine. I helped him move some of his stuff into the apartment, and as we talked, we found that we liked the same kind of music. A few days later, my roommate and I started chatting with him. Without us guiding the conversation to church-related things, Tyler told us that he wanted to be straight with us about his relationship with the Church. He said he had many doubts that he was working through. What ensued was a deep conversation about truth and how one finds truth in the world today. My roommate and I testified of the Book of Mormon and about Revelation. Tyler shared that his parents didn't know about his doubts and thanked us for listening and being so understanding. We prayed together before we left. That is a good illustration of how to begin a long process. Unlike changing a flat tire, one experience rarely fixes a spiritual problem. It takes time, conversations, an encouraging experience that will help rebuild faith. It comes more like the dew from heaven than a one-time blast from a fire hose. You have to minister again and again as you help someone turn back to God, again relying on the Savior and His Atonement. To minister in the Lord's way, we need the help of the Holy Ghost. President Nelson spoke powerfully on this subject in General Conference. In coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. President Nelson added, I urge you to stretch beyond your current spiritual ability to receive personal revelation. He counseled us to pray, listen, write down our thoughts, and take action. Can we apply this to ministering in a holier way? Let us pray, listen, record our thoughts, and take action about those to whom we can minister. Pray for the opportunities to build faith in others. Not all of those you help will be people you know. When Jesus ministered to the widow of Nain, he was on his way somewhere else. However, while on his way, Christ saw her and had compassion on her, and it changed her life. Pray that these opportunities will come to you. Listen, write down your thoughts, and then be ready to take action as people are put in your way. I have always been moved by the psalmist cry, I looked on my right hand, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man or woman cared for my soul. 
There may be some here who feel that way. Let's help them. To have the help of the Holy Ghost, we have to prepare our mind and heart. In your generation, you'd need discipline and restraint in how you use your technological devices. Adam Alter, in his book called Irresistible, speaks about the addictive behavior of technology and social media. He quotes Greg Hockmuth, one of Instagram's founding engineers. Interesting, the president of Instagram and Facebook speaking to Congress today about privacy. I quote him here. There's always another hashtag to click on. Then it takes on its own life like an organism, and people can become obsessive. Instagram, like so many social media platforms, is bottomless. Facebook has an endless feed. Netflix automatically moves on to the next episode in a series. Tinder encourages users to keep swiping in search of a better option. Someone else put it this way. The problem isn't that people lack willpower. It's that there are a thousand people on the other side of the screen whose job it is to break down the self-regulation you have. Mr. Alter continues, a like on Facebook and Instagram strikes one of those notes, as does the reward of completing a World of Warcraft mission or seeing one of your tweets shared by hundreds of Twitter users. The people who create and refine tech, games, and interactive experiences are very good at what they do. They run thousands of tests with millions of users to learn which tweaks work and which ones don't. Which background colors, fonts, and audio tones maximize engagement and minimize frustration? As an experience evolves, it becomes an irresistible, weaponized version of an experience it once was. In 2004, he said, Facebook was fun. Today, it's addictive. For the Spirit to dwell in us, we have to have time and space. Learn to put your smartphones down. Insert time when your technology is intentionally not accessible. In last week's General Conference, President M. Russell Ballard said this, Too many allow themselves to almost live online with their smart devices, screens illuminating their faces day and night, and earbuds in their ears blocking out the still, small voice of the Spirit. If we do not find time to unplug, we may miss opportunities to hear the voice of him who said, Be still and know that I am God. Then he added, Now there is nothing wrong with taking advantage of the advances in the technologies inspired by the Lord, but we must be wise in their use. Now, let me say a word to the wonderful faculty about their opportunity to minister. Or is there any faculty listening? <laughs> we hope so. No one comes to the faculty of Brigham Young University without desiring to lift both the intellect and the spirit. 
how thankful we are for the great faculty of faith that reaches out and shares with students not only the important learning of their discipline, but the principles and experiences that have built their faith in the Savior. Brothers and sisters of the faculty, please be very vigilant with this vital contribution you make. Perhaps this thought could be helpful to someone on the faculty. As general authorities, we often speak to large state conferences of several hundred people. We come to these meetings without a prepared text, praying for the inspiration of the Lord. That inspiration rarely comes to me as I look over the large congregation, but rather it comes to me as I look into the individual faces of the members. As I speak to the One, the message is magnified for all. I encourage you professors to pray for opportunities to share your faith and spiritual experiences. I know you do. The words will come as you look into the individual faces. As you speak to the individual student, all will be lifted. Thank you, dear brothers and sisters of the faculty, for your willingness to minister to these very elect sons and daughters of God. During my undergraduate days at BYU, other than my wife, Kathy, whose eternal influence is impossible to measure, there were two roommates, one before my mission and one after, who greatly shaped my spiritual foundation. One was Reed Robinson, now a professor here in organizational behavior. I met him on my mission, and we were roommates afterwards. Reed's exactness in following the commandments, his love for the prophet, and his unwavering testimony of the Savior strengthened me and all around him. And he has continued to be an example to me for the past 45 years. The other roommate I've mentioned is Terrell Bird, who now lives in St. George, Utah. I first made, met Terrell Bird as we attended high school together in Pocatello, Idaho. Although we played basketball together, our friendship came as I observed his spiritual maturity. He would openly share spiritual insights he was having and principles of life he was reading and learning. I was surprised to hear these things from a 17-year-old. We decided to room together at BYU. In those days, we didn't have computers. We had typewriters. Terrell would take scriptures that were meaningful to him and quotations that instilled character, type them, and store them in a small box where he could draw from them frequently. It was not uncommon for him to have more than a thousand scriptures and quotations, many of which he would memorize. Although I was working, cleaning the library every morning, 4 to 7 a.m., and carrying a full load of classes, in watching Terrell, I began to build my own file box. Here is one of the quotes I still remember from almost 50 years ago. Mind is the master power that molds and makes. Man is mind, and evermore he takes the tool of thought, and shaping what he wills brings forth a thousand joys, a thousand ills. 
he thinks in secret. And it comes to pass, environment is but his looking glass. And of course, powerful scriptures like this one, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He helped me put into my mind as a freshman at BYU words of scripture and words of wisdom that have influenced me all of my life. I thank Terrell Bird and Reed Robison for caring about me spiritually at a time when it made a difference. Here is the poetry of my neighbor, Thomas L. K. Thank God for all who give relief, for those who really care, who put their arms around the weak and plead for them in prayer. Thank God for those who hear the heart and listen to the words, who know a look or gentle touch mean more than all the world. Thank God for those who lift the hands and strengthen feeble knees, who go about restoring souls in quiet ministry. My dear friends and fellow disciples here at BYU, I give you my sure witness that I know the Savior lives. He is resurrected. He guides this holy work. President Russell M. Nelson is his anointed prophet upon the earth. Our time upon the earth is eternally important. I promise you, as you love God with all your heart, pray to be an instrument in His hands, minister to individuals, build your capacity to receive revelation, and trust in the influence of the Holy Ghost, the Lord will put His special sons and daughters in your path, and you will become their ministering angels, blessing their lives eternally. You will minister in a holier way. I pray that this can be something that is important to you as you continue along this most important pathway of our mortality. I give you my firm and sure witness of the Savior, of your eternal worth to Him, and that He will come again and will embrace us as His sons and daughters, as His disciples, I so declare, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Come Follow Me podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.